This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Welcome to Hey You. Oh my god, it's a brand new podcast. Uh, it's Sheree Bohannon and I. Hello, Sheree. Hi, Joe. How are you? Which Joe are you talking about? Because bam, we are <laughs> talking about you, the Netflix series. And that just means I'm going to have to remember that sometimes you're going to say the word Joe and it's not going to be referring to me. Already speaking about it to a couple of friends, I had to be like, you know how Joe is. And I mean, you know how Joe Goldberg is. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to say I am not a serial killer. That's going to be how I distinguish us. You don't have the time. Like, literally, I'd be like, I know who didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I am not nearly as good at cyber stalking as Joe Goldberg is. teach you but that's for later in our run okay yeah yeah so charade this is how it's gonna work we're doing this in advance of you season four which is dropping on netflix shortly but we're gonna kick this off with individual mini episodes dedicated to each of the previous seasons we're going all the way back to the beginning with you season one i would like to know did you watch this when it first came out I was late to it because I was living with my roommate in Chicago at the time and Mm -hmm. he started watching it on Netflix and I was like, what is this? And then I was hooked and I finished it and he wandered away and I was like, that's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for hooking me on this show. Bye. (laughs) Right? It's rude. (laughs) (laughs) But you read the books and then watched it? Yeah, so I knew that this was becoming a TV show. So I picked up the book, which is written by Carolyn Kepneys. And I really enjoyed the first book. So I was eagerly looking forward to the first series. Oh, what am I British? I was eagerly looking forward to the first season. And back then, it was actually a lifetime property. And then it was only when it moved over to Netflix that it suddenly became super popular. And then that's when we got subsequent seasons because it was actually in danger of being canceled. And I think part of that is that, like, first off, we're not looking for this kind of content on Lifetime. No. And secondly, who can afford cable in this economy? And so (laughs) who who knows what all is being canceled over there that we would probably love if it was accessible. Well, and I think the reality is, is that Netflix is just in a whole other stratosphere in terms of its reach. So the casual numbers that a show probably gets just by being on Netflix compared to something where Lifetime is like, it's a Lifetime original property, please watch it. It's like the numbers are night and day different. Yes, yes. Uh, Netflix is that girl. Um, People have tried to like fight her. We've all tried to fight her because we love to save $10 a month. But like at the end of the day, everything we watch is there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They're really out there doing the business. But um, okay, so you got addicted to this. Did you ever end up reading the book? I actually just listened to all three audiobooks to prepare because 
I, I'd wanted to read them, but that was also me before the pandemic. And so like mm. reading right now, it's very hard for me. Um, I'm kind of yes. embarrassed by it, but who has time and patience? And so <laughs> I, I love a good audio book because it's like a podcast mm-hmm. a little bit. And so that hits me differently. Right. And I can like be doing things with my hands because I'm always busy doing nine things and I'm still like engaged. And they, they're actually being read by Santino Fontana, if oh. I'm saying that correctly. And okay. he's... Him and Pin have the same energy with this character, and it's very mm. creepy and disturbing, and I'm worried about both of them now. <laughs> <laughs> I like them both, and I never want to meet either of them in person because they seem a little scary. <laughs> they are too good at their job, and you know what? <laughs> I, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your takeaway then? Like, Do you prefer the book? Do you like the show better? Or is it just kind of like, oh, uh, apples and oranges? Like, I feel like book one and season one are both good, but they are just different enough to be their own beasts. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that for the rest of it, but we'll get there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's next episode. <laughs> right? <laughs> but I definitely think that like book one, I definitely understood why it would get greenlit for a series. Mm-hmm. And that first season, I understand why that would get picked up for another series. And I, I like them both. And I just did both of them recent enough to be like, oh, these characters weren't here. And this character gets more time. And I I don't know. I like them both. I couldn't choose. I couldn't be like, this is my favorite child. Um, right. <laughs> what about you? So I'll say I, I was definitely taken with the book, if only because it's so interesting. Like it's written in first person narration. So basically the voiceover that Penn Badgley is giving us as Joe is how the entire book reads, right? So you're in his head and you really start to find that you're relating, like you're seeing things through his perspective and it makes sense, except that he's doing all of this really nasty, creepy, voyeuristic shit so I found that really fascinating, just as a hook to get you locked into this story. We're also talking about the world of books. Like, I love books. I'm like you, wish I was reading a little bit more, still struggling. But like, give me a library card or give me death. So exactly. I'm very much on board with him. And then his immediate fascination with Beck, without really realizing like, oh, I'm fucked up. I'm a monster. What am I doing to this girl? Like, And then the slow reveal over the course of both the book and the season that Beck is also kind of a monster, just in a different way. Listen, that's one of my notes. It's because like, yeah, he's like doing things that we can't like co-sign on. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, in book one and series one, the people he murders, we're not mad he murdered them. We're mad he stalked a girl. That's where right. my line is. Um, <laughs> you know what? We love a killer, but we're right. not on board with the stalking. Exactly. Because all of the people he murdered, I mean, were they good people of humanity? No. Is murder extreme? Yes. I'm not saying there's a there's a yes or a no answer. I'm just saying mm-hmm. it was fine. Until he killed Beck, I didn't feel sympathy for anybody that was murdered. Okay. And I think I only felt bad for her because we were there with her the whole series. And so I was right. like, oh. Well, I think also just this idea that she doesn't make it out. Like, yeah. I didn't like Beck, particularly as we learn more about her and you're kind of like, oh, you're selfish. You're narcissistic. Like when Peach gets killed 
And then she basically just takes Peach's story and turns it into something that she can profit off of. I was like, oh, wow, you're opportunistic and kind of garbage. You know, and I think that's really exciting for people to discover because you think that she's just a victim. And then you realize, oh, yeah, she's she's bad in a whole different way. But then there's something still really terrible about the fact that she ultimately ends up dying just because Joe got obsessed with her. Exactly, exactly. Because like this world, specifically in um this first series, like everybody's awful. And mm-hmm. so <laughs> <laughs> they all kind of deserve it. Like aside from Karen Minty, who I'm happy she got to live because like she's the only person right. who wasn't here with an agenda. Run away, Karen. Run away. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you don't need this boy. Listen. Um, so I was like, yes, get out, Karen, get out. Um and, but like aside from her, everybody's pretty awful and pretty annoying like even the people just in beck's class i'm just like he could kill some of them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean paco <laughs> i did kind of want to protect but also paco was like i'm willing to kill which rightfully so again there is no clear answer <laughs> there's no clear right and wrong um i was team paco but also paco was like i oh you said joe's down there this is none of my business i'm a child <laughs> and i was like no paco i know you know <laughs> I won't lie, Paco's one of those things where I'm like, this feels so tropey. Like, of course, we've got a child in danger that Joe is going to feel the need to protect just to humanize this horrible human wearing exactly. a, like basically a monster wearing a human skin. I don't know. I I never loved this thing. And of course, we'll have to talk about baby Jenna Ortega in the next episode, because of course, we're basically doing this again in season two. I think sometimes especially the TV show, because I remember that more vividly than the book, it does feel like we just introduce a bunch of characters so that they can be either red herrings, bodies that are going to drop, and or things to pad the runtime. And sometimes these kids feel like that to me. Exactly. All the kids feel like that. Especially because like in... In the book, we have less characters. Um, mm-hmm. um, and in the show, we have so many more. And like the ones yes. that we do have in the book get more time than they need. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, we could just go ahead and like pare this down because this first right. season's 10 episodes. Yeah, I did 10 yes. episodes yesterday. It was 10. i'm sorry you did 10 episodes yesterday (laughs) you know i love to procrastinate when it's still productive um so that's what i did i was like productive procrastination go um and so i did all 10 (laughs) (laughs) oh no and yet i i actually think that's very telling because i think one of the reasons that this show succeeds as a netflix show is because it is really highly bingeable. Like, you watch one episode, well, I'll just turn on the next one. Suddenly you've watched five in a row. It's like candy. It's like Pringles. Once you pop, you can't stop. Um, (laughs) Once you Joe, you can't stop. No, we'll uh, work on that. We'll get get there. We'll workshop it. (laughs) (laughs) But I I agree that I don't like when they try and give us sympathy for the devil. Because again, Mm -hmm. like... Sometimes it's fun to just watch a person do bad stuff. Um, we need that every once in a while. And so when they're like, but don't forget, this is because of trauma. That also oh, doesn't... Oh, no. It also doesn't work for me because I know Pin Badgley is hot, but also we have a lot of white guys trying to use their trauma to get away with awful shit every day. And so I'm just like, no. Like, mm. <laughs> that's what Tinder's for. <laughs> it definitely... <laughs> it definitely lands differently, I think, now than it did back even in the first and second season. Like, I remember people thirsting after Penn Badgley because, I mean, let's face it, he looks very cute in this series. Like, yes. Dan is all grown up. 
He's got the curls. He's in New York living his best life, but also he's kind of vulnerable. He premature ejaculates. He's so relatable to all of us. <laughs> Can we talk about those eight seconds and how every time I see it or hear it in the audiobook, I gasp <laughs> as if it happened to me? <laughs> oh, no. It's... um. I mean, it's kind of hysterical, right? Because <laughs> you don't expect to read about performance issues with a guy who's like, all I do is stalk this woman. I'm listening in on all of her phone calls, reading all of her emails and texts and stuff. And you're just like, oh, but he can't get the dick up. Right? Especially because all he does is like stand outside her window jacking off. And so you right? think that like, <laughs> he'd be like, this is going to happen someday, right? But he's like, oh, no, a lady. Ah, oh, this is embarrassing. And I was like, Joe. <laughs> But again, I I do like those kinds of touches because he's not invulnerable. Like, he actually fucks up a shit ton. Like, more often than not, he ends up killing someone and it it sort of benefits him, but it's not planned. It's just like, well, shit, I did that thing and now I guess I've got to roll with it. Like, I call the series Dexter Jr. or Dexter Baby. Yes. But the reality is, is that Joe is kind of shit at this he's really bad at it like he, he this was not his ministry um i know that like he thinks he's good at it but he thinks he's good at a couple of things he's not good at and mm-hmm. so that's why it's kind i think that's part of the draw specifically to this character because a lot of people do root for this character even though we shouldn't uh-huh. it's no. that he's so human because how many of us are good at shit most of us aren't and so mm-hmm. we're like oh i remember when i fucked that up or i remember when i failed at that and he's just accidentally falling upwards but like we're watching mm-hmm. the journey <laughs> We're like, oh, yay, you killed the right person this time. (laughs) But also, this time around, it really hit me just how he was gonna actually let her go. Beck was free. And Mm -hmm. Beck was like, oh, you have a girlfriend? Well, I have to have you back because I am also a mess. And so, like, she put herself back in there because he had started to ease up on the stalking of her and they were Mm -hmm. interacting. She could have gotten away, but she didn't want to. Yeah, yeah, I could never really figure out if that was a kind of human failure where she was just like, well, I'm garbage. And as a result, I should be with this person who is Mm -hmm. maybe the only genuine person who ever saw my flaws and still appreciated me. Or if she was like so much of Beck struck me as I'm bored. What am I going to do? And it's like, well, here's this dude who's clearly dangerous and unstable. Maybe I should go and be with him again. back that is so back because again when i first started watching this i was like is joe i'm sorry is Mm pen still in new york (laughs) harassing basic white girls who have more money than him like is this the career trajectory he wanted i don't know it's the dark side of gossip girl like (laughs) dan and serena didn't work out and then dan became a serial killer this is definitely gossip girl after night like this is like (laughs) this is the 9 p.m slot we couldn't do these at the 7 and the 8 um and so it's it's very that and i was like this is like the taylor swift of girls in new york i don't understand jesus christ yeah i mean honestly full credit to this cast because you're right it's filled with unlikable assholes that you're kind of comfortable seeing die and yet everyone in this cast is giving a hundred percent right they go bust the wall the whole fucking series. And I appreciate that because like, it, it's hard to watch something when the actors are like, oh, well, I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. We've all seen some of those movies. <laughs> oh, for and, sure. Mm. Uh, and so <laughs> it's nice to be like, okay, if they're committed, then I kind of want to see what's going to happen next. And it, it raises the stakes in a way that I think a lot of um, things probably wouldn't be raised if they showed up at 50% even. 
And yeah. I'm here for that. I'm. It's definitely one of the draws. It's definitely one of the draws to this show. Hmm. So I I did want to have a brief conversation about one character in particular. I've not prepped you for this, so uh, we'll see how it goes. But I was so entranced by the performance by Shay Mitchell as Peach. Yes. I find her fascinating because I, I texted to you because I'm midway through season three because we're prepping for season four. And I'm just like, would it hurt this show to have more than two queer characters over mm-hmm. the entirety of its run? But I find Peach is such a fucking messy, yes. vindictive lesbian. And I'm just yes. like, I am here for this drama. Like, I love this character so much. I, I love Peach because part of the reason Peach spots Joe is because she sees the Joe in her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, there's that scene where she's watching Beck in the bathtub without Beck knowing and Joe's watching her watch Beck in the bathtub. And he's mm-hmm. like, she's such a creeper. How long is she going to stand there? I'm like, listen, this is the pot <laughs> calling the kettle. I was like, going to say, <laughs> black meat black. Like, right? <laughs> you're one of the same. <laughs> you are. Like, there's a different, there's a different alternate universe where they are stalking the same women mm-hmm. and they don't know each other doing it. And it's, it's what it is. <laughs> but I would watch that if it comes around. Oh my God. Absolutely. I mean, I, I could see, and I'm interested to see if people disagree with us and they're like, uh, actually, this is a problematic representation. Like, haven't we seen enough of this kind of petty vindictive lesbian as a villain but to me because everyone on the show is inherently bad mm-hmm. peach just fits in and i'm like it's also a woman of color that gets to be like not great yeah but she's fitting in with the rest of the cast like and i kind of love that because i still think that we need to have representation yes. that isn't sparkly perfect I love that, like, the person in Beck's circle, that is the one that people are afraid of, is the woman of color. Um, I love that she's the richest of the group. I love that she's Mm -hmm. the one that's like, we're going to go to Paris. Fuck your boyfriend. (laughs) Right? I'll just whisk you away. You won't even think about him again. (laughs) Her line of too much male energy in my healing space, Mm -hmm. you know, it's Beck's apartment. Like, I'm just, I'm living for her performance. I'm living for this character. And I also think that part of the reason Beck was always, like, silent when those two were fighting is because she likes that she's being fought over. Mm -hmm. And I think she knew that Peach was into her forever and always. I don't think this was a revelation. No. She was feeding on this, right? Like, because she is such a kind of despicable narcissist, whenever she needs a kind of uh like adrenaline endorphin serotonin hit she just goes to peach and is like hey can you tell me i'm pretty hey can you tell me i don't need men hey can Mm -hmm. you basically just always be there for me exactly exactly because like even joe is like are you not gonna back me up when your friend calls me this and that and she's like Mm -hmm. i just don't want to be in the middle of it she's sitting literally in the middle of it and she led him into his apartment and then called him to be like she's going through your stuff you should come back and Mm -hmm. i was like you are such the little shit because you're like nothing's ever my fault it's big virgo energy (laughs) and (laughs) i'm just i i did not like beck um again i did feel bad that she died but oh yes yeah and part of that is that we are conditioned to expect final girls. And so, like, it was kind of a shock. Because, again, I would not read the book. And I did okay. not know what was going to happen. And I'm used to it being like, well, we're going to have a happy ending. And so I think that ending is why I leaned forward and was like, I will be here until this show ends. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> the villain's getting away with things. And now I'm, I'm leaning all the way in. Well, it's, it's interesting to me how cognizant both Kepney's and the showrunners are that... Joe is a character that you 
you cheer for as much as you root against him hopefully if you are a sane person and you're not like thirsting after this guy but the reality is is like it is really daring and audacious to kill off your female protagonist or your female lead if you don't want to call back a protagonist but like to just have this villain joe get away with it at the end of season one and it's like hmm I guess I just walk away like and then, you know, like most of the episode slash seasons, it then turns to him finding some new person to obsess over. And you're just like, oh, shit, it's going to start all over again. Right. And I, I love that because he's calling her out for all of her pathological nonsense and her friends are all their pathological nonsense, but he's not seeing himself. Mm-hmm. Like he this is his dance. He does like yep. <laughs> this is his routine. It's his church. He's learned nothing. <laughs> right? There's always going to be another girl on the horizon. And that mm-hmm. was not going to work out. And I'll have to kill for the next one. And, like, he, he never sees himself, which is why he's so sadly realistic. Because, like, he's always saying things and twisting them in a way, like, you see people do on Twitter and in politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just like, are you running for mayor, Joe Goldberg? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you said he fails up. So I could actually see this series ending in that way where it's like, <laughs> oh, is he going to run for, like, Congress now or something? Joe Goldberg for president (laughs) and it'll be like you know what we deserve that look (laughs) we really brought this on ourselves we did (laughs) (laughs) okay so any final thoughts on season one um no I I just really really like season one I think that it might be my favorite of the seasons we've watched so far and Mm -hmm. that's the three at this current time because I went all the way backwards (laughs) 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 um I think it's my favorite um and it's the strongest and I, I I I love how it differs from the source material but it also keeps the intention because it's hard mm-hmm. to do that for a lot of people they're they're like lean too far or too far away and this one was like we're gonna take what we need and we're gonna give you something that works for tv and you'll be back next season yes yeah it's a surprisingly strong adaptation that still feels like it's doing a bit of its own thing they really seem to understand the book you can tell that katniss was involved in yes. how they adapted it but they make some really smart decisions as we said i think the cast is amazing uh just wanted to give a quick shout out because i completely forgotten that hari neff was in this season so i was like all right she's been around doing work forever right while we're talking about people who popped up, I mm-hmm. did not expect John Stamos to pop up right? as a therapist. But when it's I kn- such a good role for him too, like he's Cause... sleazy and hot, right? Because like if your therapist is John Stamos, of course you're gonna fuck him. Like that's just all there. And of course he's gonna want you to because John Stamos is a therapist. Who let this happen? And so like, <laughs> when he's like smoking and pot in front of John's, like you want some? And I'm like, of course he'd be this kind of therapist. He's John Stamos. Like Naturally. I. <laughs> I mean, yeah, let, let's be honest, this is not the most diverse cast, um, but very pretty. Exactly. It's more diverse in the book, sadly, but again, that's a thing that keeps happening. Sure. Because like when you were like, you wanted more queer representation in this series, because it's in New York, especially this first season. <laughs> right? Um, oh, oh, it's so hard to find a person of color in New York City. <laughs> right? The fact that there's not like a bunch of queer brown people all over this, I'm mm-hmm. just like, how do you not have them in your in your pages? But you know what? 
that is an ongoing battle and I'm not going to just like (laughs) act like this is just this one book. Um, Because again, we have like 90 podcasts saying the same thing every week. So you know what? (laughs) (laughs) We're getting there slowly, maybe. I don't know. Folks go listen to Blurdy Massacre because clearly (laughs) you will get a healthy dose of all of that every fucking week. Oh, it's so healing. (laughs) so healing. (laughs) uh all right well i think that'll do it for you season one sheree if people want to talk to you about how great beck's hair is how would they get a hold of you (laughs) you can you can find me at miss sheree on instagram and twitter i will be trying to figure out how to get those waves in my own bird's nest i have going on over here oh yes yes where can i find you joe uh people want to get hold of b i can be reached at b stole my remote and that's the letter b but just know that i will not be responding to your thirsty joe tweets because i do not subscribe in fact i unsubscribe and i do not like All right, uh, but we are going to be back. We're going to be talking about You Season 2 next, so follow along and, uh, you know. Oh, I guess we could plug the podcast network. Uh, so thank you to the Anatomy of a Screen Pod Squad Network for hosting the show. So yeah, um, subscribe, rate, download, all the good stuff. But uh, yeah. Right? But you could also rate and review if you like this first episode, because we're around on all those places and spaces. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we deserve we deserve to be a New York Times bestseller that Joe Goldberg would shit on. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> we can be yeah. your airport read that he would be very dismissive of. Listen, um, I feel like we're better written than most of Beck's prose, and so <laughs> you know what? That's a way to go out because that bitch was not a writer. Exactly. I was like, you must be in love with her, Joe, because you read books all the time. You know this is not good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see if he does better with his second obsession in season two. Ooh. Scream Pod Squad.